Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello everyone, this is Umar Hamid, your host, and welcome to the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategies, and advice on how to make you better, stronger, faster. Get ready for another episode. Hello everyone, today I've got the privilege of having Elaine Northrup here. She's been in the real estate business for 47 years. Welcome to the program. Thank you. So Elaine, before- be here. Oh, thank you. Before we started this recording, I was chatting about Shakespeare and how Shakespeare, the reason it's relevant is the human condition is still the same, different toys. And you said, well, I used to be an English teacher. So tell me how you went from being an English teacher to stepping into real estate. Do you want me to go through the whole thing I just went through? Okay. Yes. All right. Well, you know, as a teacher, repetition. <laughs> not only kidding. Okay. Please I, I was trained to be an English teacher. I went to University of Maryland. I graduated in 1962, and um, I was an English major and a math minor. I wanted to be a math major, but in order to major in math, you had to have a, a secondary thing in physics, and I am not physically inclined. I couldn't make a cart roll down the hill right. because of this theory. I could do mathematics for five pages and get the right answer, but I couldn't apply it physically. And my advisor said, you ought to try another field because that's very important to a math major. I said, okay, well, English is the only other subject I'm getting A's in. I said, I'll be an English major. So I became an English major and a math minor. And I proceeded to teach school for, first of all, one year. And um, in those days, uh, a teacher's salary was $5,500 a year. And being an English teacher, you had to sit at home every night and mark papers that were five pages long. Oh, yeah. There were themes and um, uh, theories and whatever the people wrote. Math is better. Math is, is much wrong. easier. You have a right or wrong answer yeah. and you just put an X if it's wrong. English, you can't do that. You have to not only analyze grammar and spelling, but you have to take their thoughts into account and analyze those and grade them on those. So before we go deeper into real estate, what's always intrigued me is we've been speaking English for quite a long time. <laughs> True. Why is it so difficult to teach kids, no matter which generation, how to write properly? Especially now, it seems to be more no, challenging I'll, than ever. I'll say a couple things. It depends on where you grew up. Uh, I grew up in Balmer, uh, and uh, Is that right, you say words like yeah. "tool the soul" and uh, "toilet," and you know, I, I my pronunciation was horrible. And I remember when I got to college and I took my first English class, and the professor said to me, "You want to teach what?" <laughs> so anyway, um, but I learned to speak proper English, and it's very important for children to learn to speak that too. But teaching English was a lot more than about just grammar and spelling. It was about poetry, understanding poetry, understanding Shakespeare, about reading great novels. It's about novels. thinking. It's about thinking. It's, it is much deeper than just um, getting your language correct. So you're minding your own business, you're an English teacher, and how does real estate come into your life? Well, first of all, I... I Crit being an English teacher to go into the airlines, 
because I always wanted to travel and fly. Nice. And Were you a Pan Am gal? <laughs> no, I was uh, American um, uh, Eastern Airlines. Um, and uh, we had to go to Florida to take training and everything. And then I came back. And on one visit that I came back, I met my ex-husband. And I met him one night. He asked me to marry him the next night. Wow. And five months later, we got married. So then I had to give up the airlines because in those days, you could not even be engaged, much less married and fly. Uh, you were really an object. Um, but then I decided to go back to kid teaching for a while. And I was teaching when my ex-husband decided he wanted a real estate license. And um, he took a six-month course. And he came home one night and said, um, honey, he said, we're not doing anything this weekend because i got to study all weekend. I'm taking a test Monday morning in real estate. And he said, why don't you read this real estate book and take the test with me? You, in those days, you didn't have to take a course right. to get a license. And he said, you'll have a license if you want one. If you don't, doesn't matter. So I read the book that weekend, and I took the test with him Monday morning. I prayed that if anybody passed that test, Lord, let it please be him. The worst thing in the world happened. I passed, and he failed, which was the start of our Did he uh, go problems. back and pass, or did he just give up? He, he went back. He took another course, and he went back a year later and did pass. You know, how dare you not even take a course and just peruse a book for a weekend and pass? Anyway, so I, you, that's what happened. But So yeah. how was real estate different back then versus now? I know in so many ways, but what are some of the ways? It was so different in that we had no cell phones. Um, you had only the heavy house phones mm -hmm. and phone booths, and you had no internet, no computer. Um, you had to get listings. Every, every night, the multiple lists would send a, a pack of listings, of new listings, and you had to go through them every night. And like see, manually? manually and see which ones would be best for your buyer and then call your buyer for the three or four that would be best for them but anyway it was totally different uh, contracts were two pages and a handshake um, we didn't have the 52 pages that we now have plus more um, so it was entirely entirely different so talk to me about realtor-client, buyer or seller relationship. Mm -hmm. How's that changed from what it is now versus then? Technology's well, changed, but how's that me, human interaction? To me, I always thought of my clients as people, and I cared about them. And I really got very close to them and what they wanted, and I wanted to help them find their dream home. And that was very important to me, and I think that they ultimately since that mm -hmm. uh, after I got past my I went through a bad period in real estate when I first started right that I uh, unfortunately had a victim story because that's when my ex-husband ran off with my best friend and left and wouldn't pay any child support I had two small children six and four and um, so I had to take over the finances of the thing but the way I started in real estate, because I had no name, no reputation, no, no basis to start. I hadn't even taken the course. Um, the way I started was um, 
telling everybody my victim story and thinking that people would feel sorry for me and then want to buy a house for me. Right. Well, that didn't work. People don't want to deal with a victim. They want to deal with a victor. Mm-hmm. And um, once I found this out, for the first six months, I didn't sell anything in real estate. And my manager who had hired me, I was coming from Howdy Spa. I had worked there for eight years. I was their top salesperson. And coming from that, my manager thought I was going to be the top agent in my office. But I proved him wrong, and I was at the bottom, and he was going to fire me at that point. But he felt so sorry for me, knowing my story, that he thought he would just get me to take a personality test rather Mm -hmm. than outright fire me and say I'd be much better in teaching one, and I'd go back to that. So I took a personality test, and the result of it came back saying, um, this person would be so great in a people-orientated business like real estate. Hilarious. <laughs> and it, it was. And on the basis of that, he kept me. And I changed my tune. Instead of making real estate about me, and I made it about them, about the clients. And the next six months, I sold a million dollars, which was a lot in those days. Absolutely. Uh, and then I went on from there, and I went from rock bottom to the top where I was Caldwell Banker's number number one agent internationally for three years in a row. Brilliant. So let's backtrack. Great okay. story. So six months, no success. Mm-hmm. What kept you going? Like it'd be so easy to give up. What kept you going? The thought that I could earn more money in real estate and I really needed to because I had two small children. It's a necessity. It was, yes. It, it was something that I... I saw people around me making more money, and and I really needed the money at that point. So um, it was probably being money hungry that kept me in the business, but then I learned to care about people and work on their needs and, and forget about mine and forget about my story and help them find what they wanted. Brilliant. A lot of companies and people as well face death, and from that certain death, they reimagine what they can be. So this has been companies like Boeing, the mm-hmm. aircraft company was pretty much on their last legs and they made one last effort to make passenger liners with jets and save the company and change the world. Right. So it sounds like when you had the, I want to fire you. Right. Uh, so certainly you passed the test, but was there something about that that really got you to re-examine what you were doing? Like what happened then when it was like, oh my God, I'm going to be fired. What well, changed that I got had, you to... I had to really get serious about what I was doing. Um, I was now devoting more time. Now I had to raise two children mm-hmm. on my own too, but I was now putting more time into real estate and... I can't say less than to my children because I always cared about them, but um, I was working up to 60 hours a week and just making other people more important. And I also took business that other agents didn't want. I did open houses for other agents, Mm -hmm. which I found to be very lucrative. And I still do. I still do open houses because the people that come to open houses are looking to buy something. They may not want to buy the house that they walk into, but they're going to buy something. So you can ask them what their needs are, what their price range is, offer to send them listings, and just build a rapport and start working with them. 
Elaine, help me understand. Uh, like you just said, open houses, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a gentleman in town, Michael Schiff, who's very successful in real estate. Mm-hmm. And he told me, you know, I love open houses because mm-hmm. I get a lot of business out of those. Right. But yet there's other agents that see it as a punishment. So it's about mindset. as oh, I got to do another open house. No one's coming. They don't work. And you. So it's all about how you see the world. So in your years of doing this, Mm-hmm. Have you seen someone that had maybe the wrong mindset and then they, the light went on and they switched? Does someone come to mind that kind of had that come to Jesus kind of thing? No. I, I, most people, they didn't want to work on Sundays. And mm-hmm. those days, open houses were always done on Sundays. Yes. So I gladly took open houses from other people that just didn't want to work. And I found it very successful for me. Um, because I built rapport with the people that came in the open house. You can't just let them go through the house and not talk to them or whatever. Um, But there was one other uh, thing that I wanted to say about that. Um, uh, The other thing, there was not somebody in the field that I didn't want to be like because I always studied success. Mm -hmm. Because if you want to be more successful, you got to look at who's at the top. Right. and why they're doing it. And in those days, the top agent in my office was a, a woman that was quite a bit older than I was, and she walked with a limp. Um, however, she spent a lot of her own money on advertising, and it paid off for her. And people were coming to her rather than going out and seeking the clients. So I took a page from her book, and I decided to do my own advertising. And not only was I doing my own advertising, but with my English background, I was writing stories about my house. I gave every house a little name. I'm about to give you a high five. Huh? I'm about to give you a high five. That is brilliant. Thank you. I gave every house a little name. I called it Cinderella, and I said that somebody waved a magic wand and made this um, rather ordinary house into a raving beauty. But you better see it tonight before the stroke of midnight or it will be gone. So I wrote those kind of ads. Well, they caught on and people would call me to list their house because they liked the ads and they wanted me to write a story about their house. Brilliant. So then I was getting a lot of listings, which is really the secret in real estate is to have the listings because then you get the buyer calls and you get the uh, open houses and whatever else you but if you work the listings uh, it's better to have listings than buyers you had started the Northrop team mm-hmm. when you have a team you have team members that come in and it's your job as team leader to help them get better at what they do well I have to say that when I first started a team I did it more for administrative for people to help me to keep uh-huh. me out selling yes because I had, I and still do, have no computer sense, can't even turn on a computer, um, and I don't like office work. I don't like paperwork and everything. I like being with people and working with people. So my first team members were hired just to keep me out selling. Smart. As That's your highest value to the company. And is nobody, in front of nobody customers. in those days, they were all single agents. Nobody in those days had a team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was probably the first person that hired assistants um, to keep, and, and it worked. And you know, the more assistants I had, the more I was catapulting in sales. Um, then 
after a while, I thought, well, I can bring in agents and they can help me sell. They can be buyer's agents. They can, you know, and, and I gave them the right to list if they had listings, but mainly I was doing most of the listing. They would take occasionally buyers, um, but, and they would do administrative work. And that was my start at my team. And then my son grew up and he graduated from uh, college and I brought him on my team. I brought my niece um, and they both wanted to sell, were very ambitious. So I put them out there and let them start selling. And there were a number of years that Craig worked for me. And then all of a sudden he wanted to go out on his own, which I, God bless him. And um, the, the difference between he and I is that I started from rock bottom with no name, no reputation, no money. And I went from rock bottom to about here. Mm -hmm. He started from here, and the sky's the limit. I mean, his ambition is beautiful and wonderful, and I'd like to think I had something to do with that. But um, he's taken it into brokerages. He now has 50-some offices throughout parts of the United States, and he's doing extremely well. We did a billion dollars in sales last year. Very impressive. Okay. When I say we, now I work for him, so. Right. So, Elaine, what advice would you give your younger self that would have helped a lot back then? Um, I think I think the time that I spent in grieving and chasing my ex to get him to pay child support, which he never did, um, I would have better spent on myself. And what I finally learned is going in a negative direction was not working. I was chasing him from state to state, and he moved from state to state because he didn't want to pay child support. Uh, instead of chasing him, I started concentrating on me, and I made so much more money that it didn't matter whether he paid child support or not. So don't, don't have revenge as one of your motives. Mm -hmm. Don't have any negative feelings. You've got to get yourself back into positive things. And I have to now say that what I thought was the worst thing could happen in my life, mm -hmm. when my ex ran off with my best friend and didn't even want to see my children, turned out to be the best thing that ever happened in my life because I started a career in real estate I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, I raised two children as a single mom on my own. They both, for eight years, they both turned out phenomenally. And then I met the love of my life 40 years ago, and we've been happily married for the last 37 years. Congratulations. So, and he's twice the man my, my first was. And just a side effect, my ex-husband ended up by committing suicide in front of his new wife he jumped from 18 floors into the parking Yikes. lot below and that's it uh, so I'm lucky I could not have I could not have stood that but it's how you look at things it's there is no reality there is only perception mm -hmm. of reality and when a thing happens it's neither good nor bad it's how you interpret it that makes, makes it, so. it good or bad mm -hmm. in your life it's how you view that thing and you pull it back in and you make it positive or negative. So um, to me, is reality is whatever you want it to be and you can create your own reality. You can take any what if and make it into a what is 
by your belief and your positive actions in that direction. Brilliant. Elaine, thanks so much for sitting down with me. I really You're appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay. Um, I, I would encourage you and everybody to get a hold of my book, which explains well, tell me about the book. I did it. Okay, I've written a book called Create Your Own Fate, which talks a little bit about my real estate career, but a lot about life and living and how I learned to um, be a total success. And I now have everything in my life that I ever wanted. Um, I just, I, I couldn't imagine life better for me, but I know that I created everything in, in my life that I have. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But until I started thinking positive and went in the right direction and know that I could create these things, it didn't happen. Brilliant. But the book tells you how to do it and uh, the theory of, of creating anything you want in your life. And that is definitely possible. Yes, it is. Okay. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 